Welcome to the Plastics and Beyond podcast, an SBE-sponsored podcast supporting a diverse, equitable, and inclusive workforce. I am your host, Lillian Judy, and I invite you to join me every month for new diverse conversations. Hi, my name is Lillian Judy, and I'm with the Plastics and Beyond podcast. I'm here at Antec 2022, and I look forward to having amazing conversations with amazing guest speakers. Hi, nice to meet you, finally in person. I know we've been able to kind of talk on Zoom and get to know each other and stuff, and um, I wanted to start off by reiterating something that you had mentioned during one of our conversations. And you mentioned that there's one in four Americans with disabilities, and I think this is a fact that a lot of people don't know. I personally didn't know. And so this is going to be the basis of our conversation today. I want us to delve deeper in um, exploring how to you know, create more space for people with disabilities. And so let's start off with you kind of introducing yourself. Tell me a bit about like how you got here and your background story. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm James Emmett. I am the owner of JEC or James Emmett and Company. Um, we are a disability inclusion consultancy. So we work with mostly manufacturers and distribution companies and retailers across the com- country, helping them build disability inclusion into their labor and diversity strategies. Um, how I got here, I've, 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 I'm a person with a disability. I was born without my left hand, so I've been in the disability community, if you will, my whole life. I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin where expectations were put on me. My disability wasn't used, couldn't be used as an excuse, and, and it really drove me to, to understand the importance of support. Um, so I've been in the field of disability and employment my whole career, um, and I have two daughters with disabilities, um, two older daughters with disabilities, and and it's so it's a very personal issue, but it's also been my career, helping people with disabilities find careers and helping companies build disability-inclusive environments. Mm-hmm. And I personally believe that, um, for me at least, my background is in plastics engineering, and most of the work that I do in trying to advocate for women, women in STEM, STEM starts from um, personal experiences, yeah. my personal journey and the struggles that I went through. So I think that, like you mentioned, is very personal to you. That helps um, you tell the story um, bigger, better, you know. And I know you mentioned that your daughter also has a disability. How did that impact you when you, I guess, when you discovered that? Because obviously when you grew up, you had to come to terms with it and make the best with what you have and try to like grow knowing this, but how did it affect you having a daughter with that disability as well? Yeah, we, we, actually, um, we actually adopted our two oldest daughters who both have disabilities. Oh, so wow. we one daughter we got when she was very young, and, and one of our daughters, Casey, who's our oldest, we adopted when she was 10 years old. Um, bo- and both have had different journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, my second oldest daughter, Allison, is is living on her own now and is full-time employed and has done great, but has had a journey. And Casey still lives with us um, in a mother-in-law apartment. She needs a little bit more support. And you know what it really has taught me is I knew my journey as an individual with a disability, yeah. but being a parent and being an advocate is a completely different road, right? And yeah. my daughters both have um, hidden disabilities, right? Um, intellectual and cognitive disabilities where I have a visible disability. So that road is different too, right? In terms of disclosure and how they talk about if they choose to talk about that versus 
I disclose everywhere I go, right? Yeah. So yeah. The, understanding the different journeys has really helped me, I think, become a better professional, to mm -hmm. your point. Yeah. Why, so why do you think there's such discrimination against people with disabilities, or maybe even there's a stigma on people with disabilities yeah. when it comes to employment or just even being in the workplace? Yeah. I think for our work, there's so much business case in employing people with disabilities, but it is the fear and stigma that's the number one barrier for mm -hmm. companies to do this. And I think it really generates from a history of, of lack of understanding, right? When you look at it, and, and some of that actually comes from our government in the United States where we put people with disabilities on the social security rolls right away and we set parameters where they can't work full time. And so it's almost an expectation of these poor people, right? Mm -hmm. This charity kind of, that's the way we think about it. Mm -hmm. But the exciting thing in our community is this is really a time of empowerment, of advocacy, of really trying to think and, and make sure that politicians, businesses know that one in four Americans are you're talking to are voting, you know, is, are in the disability community. One in four of your customers as a company are folks with disabilities. So it's a powerful community that no longer needs to be looked at as charity and have that stigma, but really more as, as a group that's empowered. Mm -hmm. So this podcast was basically um, put together to talk about DEI issues in the plastics and manufacturing yeah. industry. And I know that your company um, focuses on manufacturing companies, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so what do you think is, why would a plastics industry want to, why would a plastics company want to um, create more um, opportunities for people with disabilities? Like what's the business case? Yeah, um, great question. So we really refer to our work as now the alternative workforce, right? We know in the United States the labor market is as tight as it's ever been, especially mm -hmm. right in when you look at manufacturing and you look at the plastics industry, talent is hard to come by. Oh, yeah. And so recognizing that people with disabilities at professional levels, at entry levels, and everywhere in between are a great labor source, right? Mm -hmm. So when we think about the alternative workforce, we think about people with disabilities, we also think about veterans. And, and folks from disadvantaged backgrounds, but the business case for the for plastics companies to hire the, hire these individuals is really this is a workforce that's still out there and, and available, right? Um, and and when you're competing for talent, it's time to look everywhere, right? And you may, as a company, need to think about the way you interview somebody a little bit differently, for example, or the okay. way you onboard somebody. But at the end of the day, you're going to get people who are going to rise way above expectations. They're going to be as productive as everybody else. Their studies have shown they're as safe or safer than their, than their counterparts in the workplace. And, and the biggest win, the biggest business case for our companies is the reduction in turnover, right? Mm. People with disabilities stay in their jobs. Okay. Study after study after study shows the reduction in turnover. And again, in today's world, when a plastic company loses somebody, it's even a double blow because now I, I have a turnover, but I also now have to go back out in this labor force, yeah. which is which is not which is such a difficult place to be right now. Mm -hmm. So, thinking about your workforce differently, um, but creating all these opportunities is really seen. We're not. It's not charity. It's it's completely a business proposition. So I know you're not 
in HR, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you touched a bit on um, interviewing them differently. How different is the interview process? So we, we don't ask our companies to change their interview process, but we do what we call inclusive interview training of the okay. people who do interviewing. We want them to understand that, for example, a candidate with autism may come in and be brilliant for one of the roles in a plastic company, but they may come into a job interview and look down right mm-hmm. and not give any eye contact mm-hmm. and or they may or they may come out and sit back and going out of the frame right they came back and sit in their chair and show that led the body language that they're quote unquote we read as disinterested mm-hmm. but the truth is it's it's just the way that they're interacting in that new environment right so we want in interviews and screening for example for companies to say okay let's look deeper at what a person can truly do and maybe it's not based on the answer to two or three questions Maybe it's a work sample. Maybe it's looking at their resume. Maybe it's thinking about the way we screen and onboard people a little bit differently so you can find the best talent that's out there. Okay. So if I have a company, let's say a plastics company, and I bring you on board, mm-hmm. how would you help me? What's the process like? What do you, what are you bringing to the team, and how are we going to work together? That's a great question. So typically, we have what we call embedded specialists. So when we work with a company, we will hire a local disability specialist in that geographic area, okay. and we will ask them to be on site with that company at least for a startup for some companies that our embedded specialist stays on depending on the number of people they want to hire but we typically start a project by doing training disability mm-hmm. awareness training of the leaders and hopefully even just quickly of some of, of the whole um, of the whole staff to to kind of start to build that base of disability inclusion so we do that training and then we go out and we build partnerships with local disability organizations and local veterans organizations so candidates start coming in and funneling into the jobs for that company and then and then as candidates start being to be higher we work with the company to build support mechanisms and typically it's not like these grand support mechanisms or these grand accommodations right it's more just basic on the job supports that are already in place but just kind of amping them up so what is the time period for this like how long would the person stay with the company for? We we want our we want our folks to stay with the company forever, right? Okay. That's that's really the focus, right? We want to build not just jobs, but we want to build careers. And so, for many of our customers, many of our company customers, right, they're hiring folks to stay with them for the, their whole career. And that's what's really exciting about mm-hmm. people with disabilities is typically once they find a home in a company, they want to stay, mm-hmm. right? They they want to build their career there. And that may look like staying in that same role for 40 years, or that may look at a series of promotions depending on the individual. But we want that person to make a home in our customers, and 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 then it's also then in contributing to building a more inclusive culture mm-hmm. as as we roll along with our with our customers as mm-hmm. well. Okay, so doesn't that is that basically the person settling? in the role or because you're saying they stay for a longer period of time do they seek 
to grow within those companies or do they end up just being comfortable because they see it as, okay, I've gotten this opportunity, let me stay with it as long as I can. It's completely dependent on the person, right? Some, what we want is we want everybody to reach their maximum potential. Mm -hmm. For some folks with significant employment barriers, their maximum potential may be an entry level or a second level position, but staying at that their whole career. But for many folks with disabilities, right, that's not it, Mm -hmm. that they want to move up in their career. They want to move, and we have a lot of folks who have moved from entry level to secondary level to management level, and that's the career progression we love. We love those stories, right? And the same as as everyone else, right? If they're, if in within the plastics industry, if a person has a, a, a potential for promotion in another company, we want to do that too, right? We want to help that person as well. So we don't want to limit careers, but I think what you do see as a trend is people with disabilities will be very cautious of a move to another company if they feel good the environment they're in we don't want to limit them but but you know we want to make sure that it is their choice on Mm -hmm. career movement so okay and i want to go back to something that you touched on um there's a difference between physical disability and internal disability you called it invisible invisible disability so can you touch a bit on that like what's the what are some examples of the two so we typically define a visible disability as a disability you can see typically right so like myself like Mm -hmm. a physical disability or like somebody who uses a wheelchair you can see that disability right away versus what we call invisible disabilities are things like mental health issues um, learning disabilities ADHD Mm -hmm. Autism. These are disabilities that, upon meeting a person, you can't can see, say. right? And it's a what the research in our field is is starting to show. It's a different journey for folks who have visible disabilities versus invisible disabilities, mm-hmm. right? Because if I come into a job interview, I, I disclose to you right away, right? I might not yeah. tell you I have a disability, but, but you, you can, can see, see I have yeah. a disability. If I have autism, I come into the interview and I choose not to disclose. You don't know I have a disability. Mm-hmm. Right. And and if I look down because that's the way I kind of cope with new environments, but I don't disclose. Right. You're never you're not going to know that I have a disability in that. So so we it, it's different journeys. We, we tend it. And it, that's a pretty basic bump between visible and invisible. There's a lot of other breakdowns, but that's how we tend to try to look at. It. Yeah. OK. So how does a company start by implementing this um, initiative? How? Yeah. yeah. Where do they start find a partner right I mean okay. and that's that's really I mean yeah we'd love to JC we'd love to help you but whatever it is there's a lot of good if if you're a smaller company in your local community there's going to be a local Easter seals chapter a goodwill chapter an organization that supports people with disabilities I really think it's important what research has shown is if companies try to go on the disability inclusion journey without external help and they don't have somebody internally that knows about disabilities they tend to hit a lot of bumps right mm-hmm. so find a partner find somebody who knows about disability employment how knows how to help you build a plan right and a lot of times the honest truth is we go into customers and for whatever reason our services aren't right for them but we still give them a general map on how to begin because we want every company out there there's no reason why every company in this country in 20 years shouldn't be implementing disability inclusion right and that is really my goal before I retire I don't want 
it, we still talk about companies that are doing this well, and we put them up on a pedestal. I want that to stop, yeah. right? I, I want every company to be doing this, and this be as business as usual, but yeah. that's still down the road. Yeah, so. no, we need to normalize yeah. that for sure. Yeah. Um, so you shared a lot with me, and I hope with our listeners, and I wanted to end by asking you, you've been on this journey for how long has it been? Well, I've been in... <laughs> I mean, your whole oh, life, oh, you have. 35 years, this, I think this is actually my 35th year in, in disability. In, okay, yeah, yeah. all right. So what has you doing this job, what has it taught you about yourself? What have you learned on this journey? And... Um, what advice would you give to anyone that's trying to, you know, become an advocate for people with disabilities, whether they are, they have a personal connection to it or not? Yeah. Like, how can we? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that's a great question. And I would say when I first started in my field of disability employment and rehabilitation counseling, when I was working as an advocate for job seekers with disabilities, my impression was corporations and companies had all this money. So they should just be doing this, spending yeah. lots of money doing this, right? But now that I've been on the company side for a while, I understand it takes patience, right? Just like a job seeker with disability to get to their career goal, you have to have support and patience. A company's not gonna become disability inclusive overnight, and we're not gonna get a company to be there by screaming them down, by saying, you must do this, you have to do this, look at the laws, right? We have to listen to their journey, we have to customize it to what their business needs are, and we have to have, most of all, in my opinion, that patience and empathy that we demonstrate for people with disabilities, I also believe carries over the patience and empathy, the way we work with our customers to help them yeah. employ lots of people with disabilities down the road. Yeah. Wow. I know that was my last question, but I have one more. Okay. <laughs> what has been the toughest part in on this whole journey? Like, I know, like, even in trying to, for me, advocate for more women in STEM, yeah. I hit a lot of roadblocks like there not everyone is interested in having this conversation not everyone is interested in um supporting the movement yep. so what has been some of the roadblocks you you've hit along the way i think the couple things that have been most difficult for me is sometimes watching people with disabilities lose their jobs because they weren't ready for a job or it wasn't a good fit and early on in my career i thought everybody should just everybody should work right in that one but, but life is sometimes about failure and learning from your failure. And, and on, the, on the job seeker side, I've learned about the dignity of failure, right? And giving people an opportunity and understanding it may not always work out. Mm -hmm. Same thing on the company side, yeah. right? We hate to lose customers. And every time I lose a customer, you can ask my staff out there, I, I feel like I've not just let, let the customer down, but I, I've let the field of disability inclusion mm -hmm. down. But the truth is, sometimes it's just not the right time in that company's history. Sometimes it's... it's it's, it's, we went in too fast. Sometimes yeah. we went in too slow. Sometimes it wasn't the right leadership. It was leadership change. And again, kind of the same thing. Dignity of failure, can, but continuing to try to figure out how to help that company. But it's, it's going to happen. There's going to be failure on both sides. I had to learn that. Mm -hmm. And I, I still <laughs> struggle with that sometimes Constantly. because I want the movement yeah. to go, right? But, <laughs> but, but part of that is, is learning from the mistakes you make. Wow. So. Thank you so much. Yeah. This has been a really great conversation, yeah. and um, I've learned a lot. So thank you, yeah. and hopefully you'll be back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I hope you learned a thing or two from this episode, and I will definitely see you all on the next episode of the Plastics and Beyond podcast. Yeah.